Hey guys. Hey. How's it going? I feel like it's been a while. <laughs> I say this every time still, but I... We say this every time, but it has <laughs> yeah. been a while. It really has I been I think a it's while. been like two weeks since we've recorded, right? At least. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Because life is just a bit crazy yeah. right now. Uh, and we needed, we needed to slow everything down. But we're back again with another episode that we're super excited about. This episode is a continuation of our Ask Cara and Leo Woo! series. And this episode is all about our mental health advice. And I feel like I should already just put it out there that Leo and I are in no way professionals. And all the advice that we give in this episode is just our own advice that we have from our personal experiences. And if you do feel like you are suffering um, with any mental health issues, then we do suggest that you do speak to a professional about this. But so take this this episode quite lightly. It's just our advice from our per- personal experiences. And yeah. I feel like I'm quite delirious because it's 20 to 11 p.m. Yeah, we are struggling. We are struggling. Struggling severely. But we will get through this. Yes, we will. We wanted to, we, we were starting to talk off the mic and then we were like, oh, let's actually... Well, I was like, oh my God, Cara's saying juicy things that I want to have on the podcast. <laughs> because I love when other podcasts do this, kind of like just random of TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about Love is Blind. Yeah, which so we both So if seen. you have watched it, spoiler alert, skip forward probably five minutes. I don't know. Two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Probably, probably five more minutes. than two minutes. To be fair, it is all over the internet. So I feel like you would, I feel like everyone kind of knows what's happening. I'm on Love is Blind TikTok. Like all of my TikToks are people, really? <laughs> All of my TikToks are like people recreating Shane's facial expressions. I'm sorry, that dude is on drugs. Like, uh, yes, exactly. That's can't what. Tell me otherwise. Oh, yeah, <laughs> or he has some sort of like twitch in his body that he keeps doing. He's very, I don't know, all over the place. He's very chaotic as a person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to say he's on drugs if then actually there's just something. Yeah. You know. No, but everyone... in, a, in our mental health advice episode, <laughs> when actually maybe there's just something that's like. He has some issues with his mental health. I don't know. I don't but know. His movements definitely aren't normal. No, they're quite they're quite funny. I I was just telling Leo that I hate Shake like from the bottom of my heart. I think <laughs> he's such a toxic person and is a narcissist and also has like internal racism that you can clearly mm. tell that he's suffering with. Definitely. And apparently, I've I've like watched interviews and stuff, and apparently he like genuinely. The way he talks about his experiences is if he's as if he's a character on the TV show. So he has like no perception that this is actually a reality. And he's like, it's all for entertainment, it's all fun. And they're like, but people are actually getting married. Like it's not as much as this is a reality TV show, people are still getting married. So he he's just weird. But also, I'm like, how can a person like that be a vet? I feel like to be a vet you have to be so like empathetic and I completely forgot he's a vet. I like forget about these people's jobs. Yeah, as I watch the show, it literally. Makes Do you know what like what what is Shane's job? Uh, is he broker? No, like real estate. I think I've forgotten. Yeah, I think he might have something to do with the real estate. But also, there's something that happened in the reuni- reunion that I want to tell you about. Don't spoil it. Okay, I'll watch it today, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm very excited. I've I've watched until the finale, but. I, I just want to say at this point that Deep T is an absolute queen. She I is. love her to death. She I think is, the is. whole internet loves her, to be honest. But rightly so. And um, also Natalie, love her. I, I think she's great. She, I like I'm her energy. Sorry. She's so calm. 
Yeah, and she's just, she's got her life together. Like, she just seems so put together. Like, her apartment was beautiful. You know? I, she's, her aesthetic is She's so, so beautiful. Oh, I love it. Also, I've seen a lot about this online as well, but I fully agree that, like, the father-daughter relationships or generally, like, the family relationships were so on point this season. You know, like, what Natalie's father said to her before the wedding of, like, you make me so proud. Or, like, yeah, she's so cute. What does he say exactly? Something about like that he's so proud to be a father, or like that it's his yeah. greatest accomplishment, or yeah. something. Yeah, basically that like, she she oh. makes his life like exciting. She's the reason that he, I don't know, it was, was very cute, very so sweet. so sweet. Controversial thoughts on Daniela. What do you think? On I her? was, I was gonna talk about that. I think is her name Danielle. Yeah, Danielle, Danielle and Nick. Sorry, yeah. So when I was watching the show. I I just felt bad for her because it's also quite obvious that like she obviously deals with a lot of insecurities and like anxiety and mental health problems herself. Yeah. I did find myself just like feeling so bad for her because I, I feel like you could watch her going into these like self-sabotaging spirals. Yeah. Which obviously then like hurt Nick as well. But at the same time, and I was really, I thought that Nick was going to say no. But then I've also watched some things after the show's aired spoiler alert but yeah (laughs) oh yeah um i saw some things after the show's aired that like they only chose to show like the really negative parts about their relationship on the show and also that the panic attack that she had when he went out to that party wasn't actually induced by like the fact that he went out but by the fact that she had told him something um that was like triggering for her just before he left and then because she like I think it brought up back things and I think maybe she was insecure about like I, you know whether yeah. she should have told him or not she had a panic yeah. attack whilst he was gone and all of that so I think it's like I don't know I feel like th- there's so many people who are like oh she needs to go to therapy and stuff like that and I mean I'm sure she's aware that <laughs> therapy would benefit her or maybe she is already going to therapy but yeah I feel like it's yeah I I think I think it's like kind of the way their relationship was portrayed I think they had fun they playing with the fact that to really paint it out to be this like super toxic, toxic relationship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, what at, are your thoughts? at the beginning, I felt so bad for her. I was like, honey, like you can't be talking to yourself like this. Like that's yeah. so sad. And I was like, she's beautiful. Like mm. she's stupid to even think that, you know, she's anything less than that. Um, but then when I saw the whole like toxic side and I, I definitely agree that that was very much like uh, curated to some extent but it made me think at that time I'm like you're, it doesn't feel like from what I'm seeing it doesn't feel like you're ready to mm. be in such an intense because especially in this environment it's it's everything intensified and I'm like did, were you really ready for that situation like even yeah. even f- feeling those things and slowly getting into a relationship and trusting someone is hard on its own so I just didn't think that the mm. situations she was in was good for her um I'm gonna give a little spoiler but it's not that big of a spoiler um as a spoiler to you too but her and her now husband uh, are doing marriage counseling together so at least they're oh like, i think that's great yeah at least they're both learning how to communicate when she's in a really bad mindset and when he's like trying yeah. to fix her and things like that so i think it's really good um but i think it it portrays that insecurities can come off as uh toxicity when actually like and they can affect we talked about this in the last week's episode right of like yeah your insecurity can become toxic for the other person if you don't communicate well why you're acting a certain way yeah whereas ayana when she was like insecure about him going out and stuff 
she communicated it so well to him being like I feel this yeah. way and I know I need to change but I, I also want you to compromise you know like so it was like the perfect balance of this is not how you should react when you're feeling uh yeah really insecure or this is like the best way to approach the communication but it's a good show oh, yana me. was so sweet she's my favorite she? their relationship is so cute as well oh i really thought she's like i feel like she's like sunshine in a person like tiny oh God, sunshine her, in a person her yellow dress when she walked out <laughs> yes cutie god honestly i'd want to like hug her <laughs> she's so cute but yeah i feel like i also found it interesting the fact that like so many people start off and apparently two other couples got engaged and they didn't show them at all which i think is so oh, interesting yeah. and it's also interesting that obviously I, I don't know i found it interesting that the only people that were in the show ended up being quite like slim conventionally attractive people yeah. And I mean, three of them had said that they obviously used to be overweight, but it was almost like, I don't, I think Deep Tea has dealt with it well, but like, I don't yeah. think, it seemed like Danielle and obviously Shay clearly still had like internalized fat phobia to some extent, or at least like, maybe not fat phobia for Danielle, but like insecurities because of it. Yeah. Um, And I just found it interesting versus the fact that like, none of the... And maybe that was just coincidence because none of them found I a connection. I was thinking but, like, this. Is like, was it coincidence or... Like, because none of the other less common body types that were on the show ended up being yeah. shown and aired. So it's like, even within that pool, they did choose the... Somehow it ended up where the conventionally prettier group of people were the ones that had more airtime. Like, it's so weird. So weird to think about. It's so interesting. Yeah, and I, I wonder what, whether that is just coincidence or whether it is kind of curation of it which i guess we we won't know but okay i think this was a good tangent <laughs> yeah i feel like we should actually talk about what we want to talk about in this episode yes uh, although it's interesting because it kind of like it leads on to that right as well of like mental health and i can't even imagine how it must affect your mental health first of all to go on the show then to like have to watch it all back and then to deal with like backlash of people and to yeah. see your own insecurities and problems so clearly displayed because maybe you're not even that aware of it and then you see a black and white and then you're like oh, oh my shit. gosh yeah it's scary i would not want all of my highs and lows to be on the national tv <laughs> so i would know i i wouldn't ever want to go on a reality tv show i don't think maybe on made in chelsea but that's like the only one <laughs> <laughs> that's so yeah maybe probably not Who even knows? that one not gonna lie i think i'm too sensitive yeah i couldn't do it also yeah. i'd be too worried about like how i'm being perceived on camera so i feel like I'd, it would mm. be hard for me to be my authentic self yeah yeah let's just stick to being behind the microphone shall we <laughs> So shall we do a quick little high and low segment to start off this episode? We should. Should I go first? Yes. Shall I say my highs and lows? Okay, so this is going to be quite sloppy, but I don't have a low for this week because I just, I feel like I don't have anything to complain about. I had quite a good week. Um, I feel very blessed and very privileged, which comes to my high of this week is that I am just very grateful that I have a place to sleep yeah. and I have the support of my family and my friends and that I can just wake up knowing that my life isn't in risk like I feel very grateful for that no um 
and so i i yeah it just makes me happy and obviously sad at the same time because i wish everybody could be feeling this way but i'm just very grateful so not much more to say on that but i've had a good week because i've had my basic necessities of food sleep eating which is food <laughs> and all food that. eating food <laughs> eating <laughs> Can you tell I love my food? <laughs> Gotta get those three meals in <laughs> I think it's I think it's good though that you acknowledge that because also I know that we have a lot of listeners of our podcast that don't follow us on Instagram. And yeah. if you don't follow us on there, I maybe you're not as aware of like what we've well obviously you wouldn't know what we've been posting, but we've obviously been trying to share as many kind of like infographics donation info kind of just and our general thoughts and feelings about the situation uh in the ukraine and obviously with ukraine and russia at the moment we've kind of been trying to share and i think i po- i reposted uh an instagram sort of poem post yesterday which was kind of all about like the duality of life of like you know yeah the juxtaposition of the mundane the happy the beautiful happening at the same time as the horrible death and feeling that guilt yeah and and just feeling so stunned by it and so confused as to what to do almost with it and feeling guilty when you're feeling happy or doing something normal but then also feeling guilty about feeling guilty because you know that doesn't have any purpose at all which i think a lot of people are feeling right now yeah like i've spoken to people at work and some friends and it's like this expectation to just carry on as if everything's yeah. normal, just knowing that all of this is happening. Mm. And it's, it's just a bit of an odd situation. I found it especially with work because it just feels so bizarre. Like I was going into the office and I was like, what is this? Like, why are we still on this hamster feel like hamster feel hamster wheel, you know, <laughs> caring about some random arbitrary deadlines. Oh my for, God. You know, if, if I mean, hope fingers crossed, nothing you know, fingers crossed this this war stops before, you know, it goes even, even further. It escalates. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is a chance and there's a possibility that the whole of Europe in, you know, in alternative in, in the future could be affected. Obviously, I don't want to put that out there. But, you know, if that was yeah. the case, obviously all of anything that we would be doing for work now would lose any sort of value whatsoever like obviously it really puts everything in perspective yeah nobody would absolutely nobody would be caring about campaigns marketing activations product launches whatsoever yeah i honestly felt that i was like i because i have been stressed this week i'm not gonna lie like work has been really stressful yeah but then i'd i'd like i'd close my laptop and be like what's the point of all of this why am i stressing about something that's so minuscule in perspective yeah which is which is I think what that post was about as well, right? yeah. like the guilt of it. So and it's also I and I think we've spoken about this a little bit as well, Cara. Of like I felt guilty and sad because this whole situation has made me aware of how biased my own brain is about caring about situations, not caring about situations more, but being affected by situations more that are closer to home. Which I think makes sense because I think it's like the human protection instinct, right? Like the closer something is to yeah. either you physically or yeah, you emotionally, more... it, mm-hmm. it kind of affects you more mentally and emotionally. But still, it's made yeah. me aware of, you know, how I think a lot of us in the Western world almost take it for granted that there is a lot of conflict and war in certain parts of the world. And it's just like, oh, well, that's what's happening and it's obviously horrible and it's tragic but you know 
we wouldn't feel the need to post stories about it every day or we wouldn't feel yeah. that level of guilt unless maybe we knew people who were directly affected or you know things are flaring up in the media again and you know it's just I think it's made me even more yeah. acutely aware of my own bias in that and I don't obviously don't think the solution is to just feel guilty and heavy every single day of your life but I also no, just think no. it's yeah it's just I feel like I, I felt that heaviness of just like realizing my own bias in that situation still feeling like incredibly heavy and sad just for the Ukraine and the whole of Europe and just feeling like we're on this precipice of like history being made right of it going one way or Mm -hmm. the other and it just feels very scary you know I was at a protest yesterday and obviously they do these chants right and like some of the chants were like don't know stand with Ukraine stop the war or and whatever it is and it's just like that is crazy I didn't ever think that I was going to be this age like in 2022 chanting about protecting the skies of Ukraine and preventing a Mm. European war from happening you know and it's just insane yeah it just felt feels very very bizarre um, I don't know where I'm going with this. And then obviously we were also no, talking about yeah, like, yeah. you know, the, the racism even within the refugee situation and and within the media, how that's being portrayed. And I think it's just bringing a lot of things to light. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be speaking loudly about the Ukraine and what's happening. Because, you know, I think everybody can agree that it's absolutely horrific. But I think it's just interesting as well, like how it's maybe brought things more to the surface. Yeah. At least in my to own be fair, brain. I think... I think I went into the highs and lows quite naively because I, I obviously this has been affecting me this week, but I didn't really want to. I didn't mm. think I could touch on it, to be fair. Um, but now that you bring it bring it up, uh, it's also that guilt of like wanting to be the voice of the wars that are happening, let's say in yeah. Syria, Afghanistan and Palestine, but also talking about those with, without taking away from what's happening in Ukraine. Because yeah. I've been feeling that of wanting to be like, why is why are one group of refugees more important than another group of refugees and why is the media only talking about one of them um and also misrepresentation so i posted this on my personal story where there's like there's photos being used of wars that are happening in palestine for example and they're being framed to be in in ukraine like ukrainian children uh with with soldiers but it actually isn't it's palestinian children children with the soldiers um and it's just interesting to see that different reaction that those fo- those same photos mm-hmm. are getting, but it's with the misrepresentation and of what's happening. But anyways, I think a lot of it goes into the bigger powers and the media representation of all of that. But I, I yeah, we'll be posting more resources on our on our stories to try, I don't know, do our best to spread as much awareness of as many things as we can. Yeah. Not just like one side of things. And again, I feel like this is especially, I found that interesting with us having an account where it's, uh, obviously we don't have a big audience or anything like that, but you know, we normally post quite regularly on it. You know, we post on our stories about kind of more mundane things that are happening. And then it's like, where do you find the balance of like, it feels wrong to just post a normal Instagram caption or just a normal story of like whatever banal content we usually post yeah and uh, I've just found it yeah I don't know a very troubling time I don't know yeah and that also just gives context to why we uploaded our last episode a bit late yeah it's because we just we wanted to be respectful of the situation as much as we could yeah um so yeah 
Do you want to do you want to say your highs and lows? Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I need to kind of recap like my last two weeks. My low is going to be from two weeks ago. It's kind of more a funny story versus actually. It is very funny. <laughs> so my high, <laughs> I'm going to say quickly, is just that my boyfriend came and visited me last weekend in London. And in Cute. some pure miracle, we had a weekend of blue skies in London, which truly, I think it's the only blue weekend I've had, like as in, you know, sunny weekend I've had since I've been back in London in 2022. It was such perfect weather. And I mean, I would have had mm-hmm. a great time even if it hadn't been perfect weather with him. But, you know, it no, was just kind of like helps. an added bonus. <laughs> and we just had a great time kind of exploring, walking around a lot, you know, being in different parks. And especially right now where I feel like you know, pe- I'm becoming more aware than ever of the privilege that we have and like being able to fly and being able to see loved ones. Um, and it just, you know, that I think I was just extra grateful to have that time with him this weekend. And yeah. I also, for anybody who lives in London, we went to a great jazz bar. Honestly, it was such a, just a lovely vibe. And I think I want to explore some more jazz bars now going forward because I love jazz um Cute. it was called night jar and yeah i can highly recommend it. it's kind of like a speakeasy vibe you know where you like you go downstairs and it's kind of like hidden so yeah if anybody is from london and wants to go with us we could maybe do a, mm-hmm. a podcast meetup. <laughs> um and um my low is just that two weeks ago i think now is it yeah, about yeah, two it's weeks been, ago. It's been a while. I went to an event. <laughs> I went to a a kind of concert, kind of day fest, like day rave kind of type thing. And before I even entered the venue, I and I remember <laughs> it was it's so interesting as well because it really highlighted to me that it's really stupid to worry about things because I remember being worried for some reason before going um, about different things. I was like, you know, what if I. I'd, I and I I never considered what actually did happen, but I was like, what if somebody puts like drugs me or like I don't know why I've never mm. been this anxious about kind of going out, but for some reason like the the whole thing of like I hadn't gone out in a while to an event yeah. and venue like that. It's the and, first big event. Yeah, and it's so like a, you know a rave sort of thing which I'd never really been to, and just all of it. I had like a I don't know why I felt a bit anxious about it, and then I hadn't even entered the venue, but I had been having a great time. At, you know, we met at like two p.m. We like, you know, drank a bit together us as friends. We all traveled together. We were like a group of like 10, 15 people, and then I went to the Portaloo toilets before we entered the event. Oh my god! And at this point, oh. I would just not that it <laughs> would make a difference if I had been drunk, but at this point, I just would like to mention that I was sober. You know, I was very clearly conscious. And for some reason, <laughs> my phone just like, honestly, I see this moment replaying in my mind in slow motion because my phone <laughs> just like catapulted itself out of my hand and went in a perfect little, you know, loop and fell just like straight ac- across the whole cabin. It flew directly into the toilet. And for <laughs> at, the, at the first sight, I wasn't even worried because I was like, oh, I'll just fish it out. You know, it's like kind of like, you know, that shock woman of like, oh, I'll just quickly dive for it. And then I stuck my hand into this portaloo toilet to try and retrieve my phone and realized with shock horror oh that I could not feel my phone. Instead, I could just feel disgusting excrements uh. <laughs> underneath uh. my fingertips. <laughs> so... I was 
trying to dig around there for a while to find my phone. Oh my god, Leo. <laughs> you did not tell me that you put your... Did I not? <laughs> no. <laughs> Car, I was serious about this. Shit. Literally. <laughs> Literal. Shit. <laughs> I didn't know you were digging in there. I <laughs> put so my hand funny. in there. I had no shame. I was like, I am getting that phone. It was... No, I mean... Okay, if you're squeamish, skip 15 seconds ahead. But <laughs> the consistency was especially bad because obviously... It's like P and B <laughs> combined. Oh my god. <laughs> Leo! <laughs> Maybe you'll have to edit this out. Maybe it's too graphic. <laughs> no, it's funny. We're keeping this in. I don't care. <laughs> so, and I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. I, you know, opened the door of the pool to Leo. I'm like, almost crying i'm frantic at this point trying to talk to the security guards like my phone fell into the toilet and they just looked at me like oh no and then there was like a big queue of people obviously outside and they were all like oh no and two of my friends were there and they gave me gloves so that i could dig in again this time with gloves and um, they were trying they had like Like some sort of sticky thing um to try and pinch it out and after like a minute they were just like it's gone like it's self-flushing it's down the drain sort of thing it's gone (laughs) so wow at least you know what i did have a great rest of the night at least i kind of just had to put it aside you know Um, i'm quite proud of you you just like (laughs) let it go you were like you know what what happened happened let's have a fun night i had to i had to for that because i was like okay i've not lost my phone and then also not going to go to the event that i lost my phone for you know (laughs) the least i can do is now enjoy this event so Wait, you need to say the weird thing about when you went home. Oh yeah. So then I went home <laughs> and I was, you know, doing uh, luckily my phone was insured, so I needed to kind of, you know, put the lost mode on. Oh, this is a good tip for anybody who has insurance and wants to claim it back. You have to report it missing with the police, you know, you have to kind of have like a, a lost phone report within I think twenty four, forty eight hours and whatever. I feel like in every insurance will have its like different, you know things that Mm -hmm. they will have to say and if you don't have it then they'll be like sorry we can't give you a new phone or your money back (laughs) like I feel like they'll do anything they can to get out of it you know so I was there at like 4am trying to do all of this like upset but yeah and I noticed my phone was still online and active till the next morning like I could still fully send like whatsapp messages over the web from my phone that that literally makes no sense to me. And I remember I was so confused because you messaged me being like, I lost my phone, but I'm using my phone. And I was like, this this girl's telling me she's not drunk, but that, that is a drunk message. Like, that makes no sense. And then you explained that somehow, somehow, even though it was so far away. It was literally, no, it makes it. And it also, it traveled. It traveled. It traveled overnight. So it must have traveled down the sewage. I don't know, but... It it was in because I took screenshots where it was it, when I went to sleep and then where it was when I woke up the next morning and it was like a couple of like kilometers away. So, oh but I was just thinking of like my poor little phone. Like it felt like it, we started the year out in Vegas and it ended its poor little life <laughs> in literal how, shit. How old was it? How old was it? A bit over a year. No, just under a year. Oh bless, bless its little heart. Let its little technological heart. But to be honest, I have to say, (laughs) I wasn't that sad about the actual phone. Because that's obviously, like, annoying. But it's at the end of the day, it's a gadget. It's money, you know, replaceable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was upset about the fact that I was stupid and hadn't realized that my iCloud storage hadn't 
what had been full for the past year. <laughs> so I had in fact lost photos and images of the last year. So that was very, very that's, upsetting. That's the most painful thing. Yeah, I, I was like having dreams about it. <laughs> and oh. um, I mean, you know, and this is also obviously, this was like two weeks ago. So, you know, again, all of this what's happened in the last week really shook things into perspective because it's like... Who cares about <laughs> photos in this sort of scenario, you know? But yeah. I at the at the time, and so if any of you guys haven't backed up your iCloud storage, this is or Google, you know, photos. This is your reminder: do it now. You think you're fine with your phone, and you think it's safe, but the next thing you know, and then it it falls in a. <laughs> mm-hmm. It falls. It, it falls. falls. <laughs> it falls. It falls deep. Um. So yeah, that's just my little spiel. So really, it's. I was going to say it's not that deep, but, I mean, it is quite deep. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's it's not that tragic, and it's... Um, it's okay. You have a new phone now. Yes, I have a new and phone now. I'm forcing everybody in my life that has ever taken a photo of anything to do with me to send it back to me. To send. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, you know what I'll be doing this weekend. <laughs> Trying to get all your photos yeah. off my phone. <laughs> Thank you! Onto yours. <laughs> I got you, girl. I got you, girl. Don't worry. <laughs> Let's actually get into the questions for today. Yeah. So we got a few questions on our Instagram surrounding like mental health topics. Um... And uh, these were some of the questions that we really, I don't know, related to to some extent. And we thought they were quite good ones that I think a lot of people can relate to. So the first question, I guess, that we got was, what advice would you give if uh, you're always feeling like you're not good enough? Do you want to start us off? I feel like this is really tough. So I just want to say that, I don't know, I just really feel for this person. I feel like um, a lot of people deal with this to some extent you know, kind of feeling like you're not good enough. And I think there's a lot of different aspects in what in which that can like manifest itself. So I'd be interested in like what this person, in what aspect of their life they're dealing with this, whether it's overall or if it's just in a few. So is it in love relationships specifically? Is it in friendships? Is it academic settings, family, work? Or is it, you know, kind of an overarching thing? Because yeah. I feel like that can... I mean, I have that sometimes where, like, I feel very confident and sure of myself in some aspects, and then in others, I'm feeling like, oh, I'm I'm failing in some sort of way, or I'm I'm, you know, not good enough. And so I think, and I think then sometimes your confidence in other areas can help you overcome your insecurities in others. But in general, I try to look things look at things kind of from a bird's eye perspective. So kind of trying to remove your emotions from it because I think because of our brain has this confirmation bias you will always look for information that kind of confirms the belief you already have so if you think you're not good enough and then you make one small mistake no matter in what area of your life or you know you see one bad picture for example you know whatever kind of area you're feeling that you're not good enough in you will take that confirmation 
of the fact that you aren't good enough versus someone who maybe feels, you know, has that internal self-worth and self-confidence and then kind of is able to see it more as a bigger picture of like, oh, that's a small mistake or that's like one angle and it doesn't reflect, you know, your actual competence or who you (laughs) actually are as a person. So I think you almost need to try and reframe it in your brain and try and kind of zoom out and look at yourself from an objective perspective and be like, okay, what are the actual kind of hardcore facts what am I basing this this notion of I'm not good enough on you know what is it in your brain can your brain kind of back up that fact or back up that thought because it's not a fact it's in fact not a fact (laughs) um so I feel like and obviously this is like a lot easier said than done I'm very aware but maybe it's kind of like a tangible thing to do maybe you could write down or if you're not into kind of physical journaling kind of think about at least 10 things that you like about yourself and also like 10 achievements in your life so that you can kind of see it black and white on paper or at least have them listed out in your mind to kind of see the reasons for why you are actually good enough and kind of oh you have done something in your life even if it's you know you're a good friend or you have good intentions when you act like I think there's loads of things every single person you know, has things that they can think of, which just prove that, you know, are just proof that they are good enough. And I think that's yeah. the overarching thing as well. It's like, you are good enough. You know, if if you are questioning this, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that you are inherently worthy. And yeah, I think just one last question that I would pose is to kind of think about where this stems from. Like, is there maybe somebody or something in your past or in your present that is like making you or has made you feel that way and if there is like for example if it's like childhood trauma specific person in your life like I think family can have a lot of impact Mm. on that as well like how you view yourself and kind of try and identify that and if you feel like you have identified something which I think that's kind of the first step you know trying to to work on that and kind of work back from that point and I mean therapy would be very helpful in that instance but just in general I think even acknowledging that it's not a rational thought that it's come from somewhere and that's not your fault that's you know what's happened to you or your experiences okay (laughs) well car car is laughing at me yeah because we like the notes I wrote for this is exactly what you're saying basically (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) um and that's exactly where my thought process went when I was thinking of this of this question um so for whoever wrote this and whoever does feel like this, I guess, first of all, I'm sorry that you do feel this way. And I know how horrible it can be to feel the need to constantly prove yourself to other people and through doing doing so, ultimately feeling like you're not even getting anywhere because there's always someone out there that's one step ahead. And I think it's, it's just a shit feeling that a lot of people do feel. Um, and I think what helps me when I feel like this is I try to rationalize the way that I'm feeling. So I do question like, what is good enough and good enough for who? And I try to find the root as to why I'm feeling this way. So this is what you were saying. Um, So I think of in the past, has someone said something that triggered me that made me feel this way? Because there can be various reasons for having low self-worth. Once you actually rationalize it, this is where a professional can come in. And I think it's such a good way to have someone help you tackle, tackle those reasons and then work through them. Um, but what I would also add is that I think it's really important to acknowledge that our the way that our society and our psychology works as well. So we discuss this a lot in our comparison episode. 
but it's innate in us to compare ourselves to other people and want to do better and have this continuous need to be growing and improving. But I think where it crosses the line is when we're basing wanting to grow and to change on unrealistic societal expectations um, because it's so easy to not feel good enough when we're being surrounded by filters and I do have to say it by false narratives of people's lives and it just mm. makes it a lot harder to see that everyone has the same struggles as you because you're just not aware of those struggles but be aware that what you're seeing online isn't real um, and even the stories that people tell you sometimes people don't share the hardships in their lives they just share you know the perfect picture white fence life that they may be wanting but they don't actually have themselves and also don't feel sorry for unfollowing people that you feel portray that false narrative if the content that you're looking at online is negatively impacting you then there's no way um there's no point to continuously look at that content i think there's nothing you shouldn't feel bad for distancing yourself from that um and also i'd, I'd also say something to consider is your day-to-day -day life so think of the people that you surround yourself with can they be the ones that are making you feel this way because there's a difference between having friends that are motivating you and pushing you to be better than friends that are constantly making you feel bad about yourself. So do question if maybe the reasons you're doubting yourself is because other people are making you feel not worthy. Um, and I liked what you said about sitting down and journaling. And I did have a similar thought when it came to that. But what I would say is um, think of the people in your life that you love most and like your closest friends and think of what makes them good enough in your eyes. Because once oh, you do that, that, you then know like what good enough is to you and what's important and your values. And then if you do want to work on yourself, because there's no harm wanting to be better, but you can use those values because they know that they're coming from what you intrinsically see as good enough rather than what external people are telling you is good enough. That's my advice. <laughs> I really like that, thinking about kind of what you value in other people, because it's goes into like the you know when we're thinking about body image thing as well you know like the reasons we value our friends or our partners or our family members you know it would never yeah. be for their looks you know it would always no. be about kind of internal qualities and then it's interesting of like okay why do we judge ourselves so harshly or you know critique and spend so much mental energy wasted exactly. <laughs> truly wasting it on thinking about our looks when really we could be putting that mental energy into thinking about, you know, how can we be kinder to someone or, you know, how can we work on kind of our inside values more? Yeah, because I think there is nothing wrong with wanting to be better. Like that's yeah. who we are as people. Like there's always, I, I continuously strive to be a nicer and kinder person. Like I don't think Me there's too, anything wrong yeah. with that. But it's like, it goes beyond feeling good enough. Like you will always be good enough. And that's like, what can you do more, you know? So it's different mm -hmm. than actually feeling like you have to compete to be worthy. Like everyone is worthy in their own ways, I think. Yeah, because I feel like also if you judge that off like, you know, you can't judge it off kind of small progress or, you know, kind of external factors because it's like, oh, what if you have like, what if a couple of months or a couple of years you're like really on the grind, you know, you're like eating healthy, you're really productive in your work and, you know, you yeah. are for what you're thinking, you know, moving your body in a great way and then you have like a slip up and like, or something happens and you fall off that quote unquote wagon and then it's like, oh, are you suddenly not good enough because you're exactly. not, you know, doing, or because you're not following the kind of that girl trend of like journaling half an hour 
every morning and reading and doing yoga, you know, and th- those are things that we talk about as well. But just because you're not doing those doesn't mean that you're in any way you're less worthy, less, you know? Yeah, exactly. And maybe one day you'll do it and one day you won't. Like, it's, I think it's it very much. Matter. Yeah. It's all arbitrary. Yes. Okay. Next so, question. The next question we got was, was how do you know, first of all, when you need therapy, then how to find a therapist and also how to decide between online versus in-person therapy. What yeah. are your thoughts, Mrs. Kara? So there's obviously many different reasons as to why someone may be seeking therapy. And I would never say it's a one-size-fits-all situation. And I, I personally haven't gone to therapy, so I can't really share that experience of realizing that I needed that support and how I went about it. Um, but I do want to acknowledge that having access to therapy is definitely a privilege and a lot of people can't afford therapy. And let's say for people in, in the UK, when they do seek therapy um, from the NHS, the waiting lists are extremely long and most of the time it's even hard to get referrals in the first place. But what I will say is that I don't think there's a checklist of you need to have gone through this, this and this to go to therapy. And I think it's good for anyone that has had many unanswered questions in their life. Um, And just to touch on like the many different reasons, there's, for example, uh, or the the many different types of therapies. For example, there's cognitive behavioral therapy that helps you explore and change how you think about your life and free yourself from those unhelpful patterns of behavior. And then there's also counseling for depression. There's behavioral activation, interpersonal therapy, and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and so many more so I guess it's really narrowing down the reasons why you think you may need therapy or want therapy and then speaking to the appropriate people about the different support that is available for you that will help tackle your needs but that's I feel like that's as much as I can share on this question but I know Leo you have your experiences with trying out online therapy and I guess it it will be cool to see your thought process going into that journey and like maybe why you chose, why did I say journey like that? Journey. journey. And why you chose online therapy versus possibly doing it in person. Or was it just, was that just COVID related? COVID baby. COVID, nice COVID. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like what you said about like the different types of therapy, because maybe just to give a brief snapshot of like my own story with therapy. I started therapy early last year. And for me, my main reason was I had different kind of points throughout the years, even at uni and at school, where I feel like I would have definitely benefited from therapy. And I was even thinking about the fact that I needed it. But I remember, for example, I applied for the free therapy service that my uni offered when I was in like quite a negative headspace. And I remember they only got back to me seven months after or something at which point I was like almost done with uni and didn't feel like it, I needed in it in a anymore. completely different mind space yeah so. exactly so and at this point uh, when I den- then did actually start it because exactly what you said about it really truly being a privilege you know time and money wise I didn't have the money back mm-hmm. then to have funded it privately as in like off my own back yeah. so when I started it last year I'd it it'd been about like a year of me having broken up with my ex and then obviously the pandemic happened and I think I did a lot of kind of internal reflection you know and really had a lot of realizations about why things happened the way they did why I feel certain ways and I'd kind of gotten to a point where I felt like I'd come as far as I could with just Mm -hmm. myself 
and with the own work that I was doing. And so, and, and I wanted to kind of further improve and I knew that if I wanted to, for me myself, I knew that my big issue was kind of around like romantic relationships and I, and kind of my own confidence with them and everything to do with that. And I wanted to kind of, my thoughts were I wanted to work on myself and try and work on my relationship to it before I would be ready to start a new relationship because I didn't want to bring my old quote-unquote baggage into my new relationship that was yeah. my thoughts when I started it and how I found it was I don't know how it works in other different countries but for the UK there's a British like there's a website which is called like British Association for Clinical Psychologists I'm not quite sure if that's the right term but I think it's like BACP I'll put it in I'll put the link in the description and it literally it's it's super easy to use like you literally can just like filter by like the type of therapy that you're looking for that Cara is talking about kind of like mm-hmm. specific needs that you may have online versus offline and then you see kind of like and also your location if that's relevant and then you can kind of just click on the different profiles and scan through their websites and for me it was I I saw a therapist that's so who, helpful yeah it was it was really easy as well so I just went on her website and you kind of just like fill out a form, ask for a trial session and the first session was free. So again, I feel like that's quite a good way or at least just to do kind of one session, maybe ask a therapist that you want if that is a possibility or maybe paying half price or something just so that the jump doesn't feel quite as big, you know, because I think Mm. the first session is probably going to be the scariest, especially because I think it's super important that you feel very comfortable with your therapist, whether it's online or offline. Because I think it's just, you know, that's the one person that you really, you can't feel any judgment. There's no point hiding anything. You're literally paying for the fact (laughs) that you need to be honest in those sessions, you know, however difficult that may be. So it gives you that security of if if you don't feel how you wanted to feel after your first session, there's no commitment. Like you can seek someone else. Exactly. And for me, I was doing therapy with my therapist online for a bit under a year. And I did really like her. And I did feel very comfortable with her and everything. But I think I got to a point where, first of all, I wasn't doing it very regularly because of time. And then I also felt like I wasn't really getting what I wanted at the end out of the therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. I think I um, I was kind of really seeking for like some more, like for example, practical advice or things that I could do and go kind of like therapy homework and I think maybe that's like also lack of communication on my part and whatever it was but I just kind of felt like I'd gotten to a point where I wasn't really benefiting that much from the sessions anymore and Mm. like you didn't leave the sessions feeling that sort of like wow I that like I needed that yeah or like any sort I yeah I just didn't feel like I was benefiting from that that, that, like not learning that much new Mm. it was more like just me talking and, and thanks to therapy, I've gotten to a point that I now feel very open talking about what's going on in my brain to my friends and family as well, the select ones, yeah. which yeah. I wasn't before therapy. So that is mm. truly, I think I actually actually had a, a bigger impact than I, you know, ever thought it would. That's mm. not to say that it like fixed me. Like, it's not like I did a couple of months of therapy and now I'm in a new relationship and everything is fine and dandy, original goal completed, you know? Mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's the f- like I think I no. don't think therapy is to fix people anyways it's to no it's to, uh, because we like I don't use the phrase that we always use but like healing is linear it's not or it's not yeah. linear so 
you might like be in a good mindset but then like a few months from now something can trigger it like it's not it's not a situation where it's like a light switch moment where like everything's fine um yeah but they help you navigate those situations where if something does happen where you feel triggered then you know like the best ways to handle it by yourself if you ever like need to exactly and that's what I felt like I wasn't really getting to be honest I wasn't getting any sort of tangible advice on what I should do on when I do spiral for example or when I when I am feeling anxious or anything like that so for me my current state is kind of like I actually do feel mm, a lot better in like Mm. my my mental health and my relationship Mm. and everything like that so I still think that like we kind of have said a lot I think therapy is beneficial for everyone for me I've kind of because I'm have (laughs) very little time at the moment Mm -hmm. and also I'm kind of like trying to save money where I can I've kind of made the decision that for right now I wanted to stop therapy but I'm very very positive I feel very I think I can say confidently that I'll likely take therapy up again and probably with like a different therapist maybe a different type of therapy months or a couple years however long down the line because I just think it's I loved how you when you uh when you were ending it with your therapist you you messaged me and you're like this really does feel like a breakup (laughs) oh god I felt really bad yeah because I kind of I decided it after a session so I didn't break it off with her in person (laughs) so I like sent her an email you did it on text I didn't write an email but I mean, and obviously, I think that's also a scary thing of like, God, how how do you end it almost, you know? For example, if you do a couple sessions and you just don't vibe with your therapist, I think yeah. it's good to remember that like, they are you don't quite literally anything. professionals and it's like, they probably get breakup emails and other sorts <laughs> of emails every single day, the but then also they've got so many other clients. I'm sure they do care about their clients on a personal level to some extent, but I don't think But isn't that what they want them. though, ultimately? Yeah, exactly. That's what she was also saying that like, you know, it's been that it's she's had so much sort of joy and like watching me grow all these Seeing past you. couple of yeah, months exactly. and kind of that it's I mean, she said that for her, the ultimate goal is for her client not to f- need therapy anymore. Yeah, that, that's like a testament to them doing their job. <laughs> yeah. So I think and that's what I want to say as well of like, I didn't kind of end therapy because it didn't work out. It's more like it actually did work a lot, as in it had a really positive impact on me. Um, yeah. But it's just, you know, I felt like I could continue growing and would benefit mm. from kind of like a change in how I did that. Yeah, and um, the only thing that I also wanted to say is, yeah, first of all, to remember to kind of be selfish in this instance because <laughs> you're paying for this so it should serve you you know in the sense yeah. of don't feel afraid to tell a therapist what you want to get out of the sessions come prepared to the sessions I think that's something that I also at the end was kind of less bad at uh less bad I was bad at as in like <laughs> you know I'd like almost forget that I had therapy and I was like oh my god I have to join in two minutes you know and then I think you're getting gonna get less out of the sessions versus if you take therapy almost not just as that hour but it's also the pre-work that you do before, thinking about what do you want to discuss and what do you want to work on, and then after. Because I think the real work doesn't happen in the session. It happens as a result of the session. You know, it's kind of like the emotional yeah. labor that you have to do with everything that maybe comes up in therapy. And then, like, mm-hmm. you're sitting with your thoughts. Um, 
And also, like I did at the beginning, and that did really work well for me for a while, was kind of, you don't have to do it every week. You know, you can keep it flexible, however fits your schedule. It can be like bi-weekly, once every month. Mm -hmm. And also, that's I think in person might be a better bond with a therapist, but I can't speak to that because I've never had it. For me, it was offline because of COVID, and then we just continued that way. Do you think that was also very practical? Yeah, do you think going forward, based on just like, how hard it is for you to find time and stuff. Do you think you, if you were to do therapy again, you'd stick to it being online? Or is it all dependent on the situation you're in, I guess? Yeah, I think it'd be dependent. I think I'd like to try out in-person therapy just to see the difference. Because, you know, when you're like talking to somebody face-to-face, like the level of opening up and like the level of like connection that you make, I feel like is a different level. But then again, it's also kind of easy to just, be honest because you're just talking to a screen so it almost feels less real if that makes sense mm-hmm. if you're like just talking to a computer screen so yeah I'd be, what about you have you like where you at right now would you ever consider doing therapy in the near future um to be honest I I don't want to say this like in a bad way but I don't think and like I don't have the finances to mm. pay for that support but at the same time I don't think I'm in a bad enough situation where like it would need to be escalated to like the NHS because I know like they prioritize people with like depression and like suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff so I don't think as bad as it sounds I don't think mine would be like the waiting time for me would probably be like years (laughs) um yeah but if I were if I did have the finances I would to be honest yeah because I mean I feel like we talk about it a lot in all of our episodes there's just like a lot of things that we both work through that you know it's useful to have that support I agree for me it's also mainly kind of the finances yeah which if it it was free and I knew I could just access it anytime like I I would never say no to that because I love no like bettering myself and like understanding myself more and more but since we've done the podcast to be fair that I've I do feel like I am more self-aware because I ha- See, spend the time thinking and talking about myself, so. A podcast is a free therapy. I, I do think before <laughs> the podcast, I was just handling life, like, as just, like, going with the flow. <laughs> mm. But now I'm, like, now I take the time to actually question myself, which is good. It helps. I agree. I feel like the podcast helps a lot in the sense that we've talked about this so much, but even, like, with the, the body image stuff, you know, yeah. it's kind of just, like... Thinking, because I guess that this is what therapy does as well, forces you to think and to talk about things that you would prefer not to talk or think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you, and if it's if there's something in your life that you feel yourself, like a topic where you feel kind of anxious about or where you'd prefer yeah. to avoid it or where you're feeling like you're, you're burying those kind of feelings, it's probably because you should be digging and it's probably because that's exactly where you should be focusing your attention on, you know? Definitely. And it's not going to be pretty, like, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> no. You know, I think we can both attest to that, but in the end, it'll have a yeah. better result. And if you can't go to therapy right now because of time or financial resources, then try and take steps to, like, talk to somebody you trust about it or, mm. you know, even trying yeah, and it's always going good. to that place in your own mind and in your own kind of journaling reflection sessions. Yeah. But 
touching on the whole body image thing, the next question we have is quite quite uh, related to that. True. What a seamless um, transition. What a seamless transition. But someone said, someone asked us, how how do you react when people like? How can one person react when people are constantly commenting on how skinny they are, and just ma- people making comments like, "Oh, you're too skinny," "You're too skinny." Yeah. I've witnessed this quite a lot as well. Like, oh, do you even eat? Like, you should eat more sort of thing. Ugh, gross. I guess, yeah, maybe wider even. Like, yeah, how do you react when people comment on your body? So I guess from my perspective, I personally think that it's never okay for people to comment about anyone's physical appearance. I think if you're concerned about another person's life and eating behaviors... And like you're genuinely concerned for their life. There is a way to tackle those conversations without feeding into their body image concerns and needs. By you telling someone you're too skinny, that's not going to help them realize that their behaviors are concerning and to actually like get out of them. If anything, they're probably going to be like, yay, it's working, <laughs> you know? So it's, um, yeah, it's not a good thing to do. Um, so I do want to mention that if you are someone that has possibly lost a lot of weight and the people around you have noticed some of your unhealthy habits and you feel like they're making these comments to you, then maybe, tr- even though it might be annoying and frustrating, maybe try think of their intentions behind those comments. Because I do think it is a pretty tricky situation to be in when you're noticing the people around you going through something like that and, and like losing a significant amount of weight or you're noticing that they're like skipping meals and things like that. Um, and it's just really hard to have those conversations. Like I've noticed friends show behaviors and I'm like, how do I, how do I handle this conversation? I feel like no one teaches you how to show that you're concerned about someone else without triggering them or, you know, making them get all defensive and things like that. So do keep that in mind if, if you feel like people are making those, uh, comments to you. But I guess the question that they're asking is how to react when people say things like this. And as hard as it sounds, I do think this is a situation where you have to be confrontational. I don't think there's an easy way to it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with just saying, like, I don't appreciate any comments being made about my body and my weight. Or just saying, I don't think that this is relevant to the conversation that we're making. Or maybe maybe just call them out and be like, um, you shouldn't be making comments about people's weight because it can be harmful. So I don't appreciate you doing that to me. Um, and I do know that that's a tricky situation. Because you never really know how the other person will respond to you saying that. Uh, But that's what I would do, to be honest. I would literally just call them out for what they're doing. Um, But I also want to note that I do think there is a cultural aspect to this uh, as well. So at least from my experience, it's a very common thing for like extended family to make comments about your appearance, whether you're gaining or losing weight. Um, And I'm not saying that it's okay and that we should accept it because it's like rooted in this cultural norm but I do think it's crucial to have that awareness that um, regardless of how you look and how you change, they will always make a comment and have something to say. Um, so just keeping that in mind. But I guess my answer to this is be confront them. Don't shy away from the subject. Make them aware that the things that they're saying can be harmful um, and is quite toxic. And yeah, it, it is very tricky because I wouldn't know how else to approach someone who's going through something like that, you know? Yeah. What would you I say? Think, I think it's interesting what you said because I feel like maybe it's less of a cultural... I mean, I think it's also related to culture, but I think it's also related to generations and mm. different age groups because 
I noticed that as well in like that my family, especially kind of older members of my family would make comments about family members' weight or appearance, whether it's to their face or behind their backs. And it's not because of malicious intent. It's just because I think it's like almost a very, in in that mind, kind of like natural, normal thing to comment on. It's so odd. It's so yeah, odd. and I feel like for our generation, it's now improving, you know, that sort of awareness that... Yeah, even if you mean it as a compliment of like, oh, you're so skinny, like, I wish I looked like you, like, you don't know that person's situation, you know, you don't know if, even if they are perfectly healthy, it could make them think, like, overthink their appearance and be like, oh my god, am I too skinny? Or if they don't have a healthy relationship with food, you know, it could just trigger them further. Exactly. And I'm interested to know what you would do, because I agree, I think definitely think you should try and say something when somebody makes those comments, just to make sure that you know, people are aware and maybe don't, you know, avoid that in future. But I feel Mm. like, again, I'd probably feel a lot more comfortable making those comments to people my own age, like friends. And I think I'd have a harder time making that comment. Like I've been in those situations where it's been like grandparents or something like that, making a comment, maybe not about me, but about somebody else. Mm. And in my head, I'm almost like, I just don't want to open that can of worms. You know, I I don't, you know, because I know that they feel differently about it and it's gonna open a hole Uh, yeah I wonder what you do if like you hear extended family or when it's like that sort of situation I mean I have had the situations where I've heard them like make comments about people's way and I've just been like what like why does it matter it doesn't really matter Mm. um but you're right it then does start the conversation of them just like chatting shit and you know like it doesn't come from any educated conversations like it's them yeah they know that they're just saying it to fill up a conversation you know like there's no true substance to the conversation but I also know that it's tricky so for example a few years ago my uncle like touched my my thigh and he was like oh my god you've gained weight and I I literally started crying just from being upset and I was saying like I didn't say it to his face but I said it to my dad I was like I just don't get why people think it's okay to make comments like this yeah and I'm pretty sure he overheard me like crying and he felt really bad about it because because I don't he's not a bad person and I know he didn't yeah in that way I think he just wanted to be like you look different from the last time I saw you Uh, yeah but there I don't think I could have in that moment responded properly and been like don't say that about me you know I responded by crying (laughs) so it is a lot easier said than done but that's my natural reaction as well (laughs) I, I, I remember I had a similar situation Years ago, I think I was, I must have been under 18, but I remember my, and I don't remember the exact words, but I remember my granddad making a comment about how I looked in, in specific jeans. Yeah. Um, And I remember I was really sad about it again, because I know it's not from a malicious intent. Like my, my granddad is a doctor, so he sees bodies, especially from a very rational and very objective standpoint. Yeah. And he always has. And I remember, yeah, I spoke to my mom about it as well, kind of saying that it, that really hurt me I don't think she told him or anything but she was kind of like you know trying to explain kind of his point of view and that he didn't mean it mm. that way and all of this which and maybe it's also trying to I, I guess that would maybe also be my advice if you don't feel like you can confront the person either because it's not helpful in that situation or because you're never going to see them again or whatever the situation may be I think it's good to consider yeah. why is that person making this comment because I think often it is you know, maybe also a projection of their own issues. Like I think especially if people are commenting on what you're eating or your body, often it is a projection of 
what they are focusing on in themselves as well. You know, if somebody's commenting yeah. on your portion sizes, maybe that's something that they're watching at the moment. Or if they're saying, especially if this is like, if the comments is, is like, oh, you're so skinny, maybe it's like in their mind, they wish they were smaller or they wish they were they were slimmer. Yeah. And it probably necessarily, doesn't necessarily have anything really to do with you. It's more just like them projecting their own issues onto you, which is obviously not the right thing to do, but it's... no quite a human thing to do I think but I do think it's yeah I'm so glad you brought this up actually because I was having this conversation with um, a friend the other day that most of the time it is a representation or a reflection on how they feel in their own uh, insecurities and they have no Mm -hmm. other way to express it besides that not not justifying that it's okay but it's more just like yeah pulling yourself out of the situation and being like this isn't they're not saying this to hurt me if anything they're saying this because they have these toxic and backwards perceptions of what we have to look like yeah so yeah especially i think if it's to do with because obviously in this society like being skinny is what is perceived to be kind of beautiful or you know what people are aspiring to be and so maybe is it that this person who's making this comment are they maybe jealous like are they maybe trying to pick holes or like faults in you you know trying to find out like yeah oh it can't be healthy like how are you this skinny you know is there something wrong with you kind of almost like to make themselves feel better in a way of yeah. being like oh you need to eat more or whatever this comment may be when maybe in fact you are absolutely healthy and you know you are nourishing yourself in the right way and it's just your genetic makeup you know like yeah. I think it's again yeah I feel like it helps kind of just trying to see where is that person coming from and then distancing yourself from that comment in that way definitely we do acknowledge it as a tricky tricky conversation and topic i think the the last thing that i just want to say about it is i think whatever reason this this person has whoever this person is whatever end of the spectrum this comment falls under i think it all comes down to building inner self-confidence and trust in yourself Mm. because it's like you are the only person who knows yourself the best you know um even you know if these comments are coming from a genuine place of concern again it's you are the only person who can kind of dig deep inside and find out if they if there's any merit to what they're saying or yeah exactly you know and no matter what your body looks like even if whether you're treating it in a in a healthy and respectful way or whether you're not treating your body in the right way your body still deserves your trust and your respect and I think, I know that there's like body neutrality, which is like a movement, which I think might be easier for some people to reach. But I I feel like our bodies deserve our kind of unconditional love. Yeah, because definitely. it's like, just like realizing how much they do for us. And no matter how we treat them, they're still, they always have our backs. I mean, literally. Um, that's so, that's emo. <laughs> the way you're saying is making me so sad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And like, no matter how bad we, we treat our bodies, they'll always try we are so best for us yeah we can be so mean to our bodies but they will never like they will never let us down even when we're sick they're fighting for us you know like our bodies fighting to make sure we're okay it's quite oh my god i'm sad now (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is why it's so sad that it's like our brain versus our body almost you know it's like our brain is trying to tear our body and our minds down when it's like yeah our body is probably the one thing in our life that will always always be there for you and like always have your best interests at heart even when it's ill and you know yeah. it's, it's one goal is keeping you healthy baby body so, so sad <laughs> little, sweet little body sweet little body 
(laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think that... Did you have anything else to say on this one? No, I think think it's good. So then the last question I think we have time for today is how do you not feel guilty when you're resting and they were saying that they like they choose to rest but then they feel really guilty about it and kind of like is eating away at them what are your thoughts so all I would say for this question is that if you're resting and you're feeling guilty while doing it are you really resting (laughs) I think it's really important to shift the mindset when you're resting in the first place and think of it this way so there's a reason that we spend a third of our life sleeping we need sleep to help energize us for the next day a third we, of our lives gosh bye <laughs> jolly and we should we should think the same thing when it comes to us resting you're giving your body a chance to unwind because if you're not doing that then you're more likely to experience fatigue and end up being unproductive in the other aspects of your life that you're trying to be productive in so i just think resting is it's a part of human life like we need to we need to give our body time to unwind or else we'll experience burnout. The reason why a lot of people experience burnout is because they don't let them themselves rest. And then they get to a point where it all just gets too much. And then they feel super overwhelmed. And then their body crashes. And that's literally their body's way of telling them, like, slow down. I need a minute yeah. to breathe. That's yeah, nothing to feel yeah. bad about. That's that our bodies aren't made. Like, we're not robots. We can't just be like, carry on with life every second of the day. Like, there's a reason <laughs> why we get tired and we need to energize ourselves. So... I don't know. I feel like it's just a short and sweet answer from my side because I don't think anyone should ever feel guilty about resting because if you feel like you have to rest, there's a reason for it. And just listen to your body. Again, your body is a special spiritual thing that knows what it wants. So be in tune with your body. What do you think, Leo? I fully agree. Yeah, I also really... I do relate to it because I had this to some extent at uni where I was like, I could never fully relax or at school when, you know, you know, when I knew there was something that I should be doing or like, you know, there's, but then there's, there's this thing of like, there's always something you could be doing. And yeah, exactly. I think it's, for me, it was always helpful to like remind myself of like, actually resting is sometimes the most productive thing you can do. Like it's the most essential, but again, I think, and it's also good to remember that it's probably going to be a lot more efficient if you're thinking about in those terms to fully switch off for an evening or a couple of hours than like running on 50, 30, however many percent capacity for like more hours of you sitting in that library or doing that yeah. work. Again, I know it's easier than done. And I feel like for me, it does help to kind of know, okay, the, the main things are checked off or at least like I have a plan for even if I'm meant, I just can't do this thing that's on my to-do list right now, even if it's high priority okay, what is my plan to tackle it tomorrow? Or, you know, just having that kind of as like a backup, you know, of kind of how you're organizing it in your brain. And if you're still kind of struggling with fully switching off, for example, you know, you're like watching TV and you're trying to relax or you're trying to sleep, but you know, your brain is like overthinking your to-do list and, (laughs) you know. And I think maybe a good step could be kind of trying to plan activities where your brain or your mind can rest but you have to be present so Mm. whether it's hanging out with kind of friends or family who you know you can be fully yourself with and then it's like doing something super chill like cooking watching a movie because then it's like I I have that at least when I do that those sort of activities 
I still feel kind of regenerated and re-energized. But in that moment, you know, when you're with people, it's very hard to be thinking about all of those things that you still have to do. You know, it's yeah, easier yeah. to be present. Or then if I do think being on your own is probably the ultimate form of recharge. So, but then maybe you can find something that you can be doing. So for example, cooking something or baking, you know, a new recipe where your mind can at least switch off from like the things that you need to be doing and that you're like obsessed with thinking about. But then it can it can kind of focus on something else and your your brain gets a rest, you know? And this is kind yeah. of a a different uh a different aspect to it. I sometimes find scheduling exercise in the evenings quite helpful because then again you have to be fully present. But then it's also like a clear cut break from, for example, switching off your laptop, you know, putting it yeah. down, which I think can be super hard working from home. And because you're physically exhausted after it can be easier to maybe like relax and sleep afterwards. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think that's really good. I think we both agree that like there's, there's no reason you should feel guilty when you're resting. Unless you're noticing that all you're doing is resting and, you know, yeah, you never I think do a, anything that you want to yeah, do. <laughs> there's a difference between resting and like just procrastinating procrastinating and pushing everything yeah. to the side like those are different if you're re- if you know you've managed your time well enough and you know you have time to rest which you should always do let's caveat that that you should always make sure that you have time to unwind then there's nothing to feel guilty about but if you know you need to be in the library studying for an exam but you're playing playstation then obviously you're <laughs> gonna feel guilty about it because you're not doing you know yeah you get me because I guess you get that's like the only caveat that I feel like is probably worth mentioning of like I think there's such a thing of always being like oh this is self-care and then is it actually self-care is it you just like not wanting to put hard work into (laughs) something that you genuinely care about you know yeah exactly because I think sometimes you do have to get off your butt and you do have to just get off your bed and do something that you know will benefit you in the long run and Sometimes that will be sitting down on your laptop, writing the essay that you want to do or, you know, writing that CV, sending off the application. And sometimes, you know, the most productive mm-hmm. thing you can do is resting. You know, it's, it, I think it's exactly. just like dependent on the situation. So, but I think yeah. have kind of an honest talk with yourself of like, am I procrastinating? Or actually, you know, is this the healthiest thing for me? And it sounds Preach. like you should be resting. And at the end of the day, be good. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. I feel like cut yourself some slack. Yeah. Be kind. Be nice. Yes. That's all we have for today. Yes. That's all the questions we wanted to answer today. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed it and it helped in some way. Um, And as always, you can always reach out to us if you have any more questions. We love talking to you guys and just building this cute community that we have. So... We hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes, and don't forget to rate us on Spotify, please, oh, if you're listening. Yes. Or Apple Music, if you're uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on there, whatever platform you're listening. Especially now that Spotify has introduced the ratings, it really, really does help, and yeah, it makes it means a lot to us. And also follow us on Instagram because yes, please. We see the analytics. We know that there's a lot of you guys <laughs> who don't follow <laughs> yeah. us on Instagram. Um, the vast majority. So, and um, we do try and be a, a non-toxic light in social media. 
I yeah. don't know if we're a light, but you know, we we try and be non-toxic and semi-positive and like semi-helpful on our social media. And it's more just a way for you to have an impact on future episodes and for us to further connect. Yeah, we try our best. Yes. So we hope you are doing well, staying strong mentally, staying safe. And we're sending you lots of love wherever you are. Yeah. Bye. Bye.